On today's episode of the Corey Andrews Podcast, football is here. I bring the I-95 rivalry full circle as New York fans and friends of the show, Avery, Craig, and I redraft the memorable 2012 NFL Draft. What started as a draft that included college stars like Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin III, and Trent Richardson turned into one where the best NFL player wasn't even picked until the third round. Find out where all of those players would go in our redone first round. Yeah, they were all picked. Not by me, though. Now. All right. For this week's episode, we have a very special category. I know a lot of you are done with the NBA and done with the two redrafts that we've already done with Norm and with Brad on last week's episode. But don't worry. We are bringing it back to 2012 for what was maybe the most controversial NFL draft in that two quarterbacks went one and two, but they're not the two best players in this draft. <laughs> so to help me go through all of this madness, we have noted Giants fan, Avery Martini. How we doing, guys? And we have noted Jets fan, Craig Lorem. How we doing? Thanks for having me. All right, because, again, I think a lot of you saw <clears throat> really biased in me the last two weeks, so we're going to have an I-95 rivalry going on here. Uh, so it worked out perfect with how we planned these picks, so each one of us is going to end up picking for our own favorite teams along the way. So this should get really interesting really fast. So to kind of uh, put it into perspective, what happened in the 2012 draft, uh, it was pretty much seen as the Colts in a post Peyton Manning world. were going to take Andrew Luck number one, no matter what. And they ended up doing it. But then after that chaos just ruled the Redskins gave up a boatload of picks to trade up to number two and get RG3, who ended up being the rookie of the year, and then not so much after that. Uh, the Browns traded up one spot from four to three to draft Trent Richardson. Yikes. Uh, the Vikings took Matt Khalil. Yikes. The Jaguars took Justin Blackman. Yikes. <laughs> the Cowboys traded up for Morris Claiborne. Yikes. Uh, the Buccaneers traded back to get Mark Barron, who isn't at his original position. And then... After that, you started seeing solid players after that. So the Dolphins took Ryan Tannehill at eight. The Panthers took Luke Keekley, the recently retired Luke Keekley, at number nine. The Bills took Stephon Gilmore at number 10, who really had, didn't do anything until he went to the Patriots. And then a run on defensive tackles with the Chiefs taking Dontari Poe and the Eagles trading up to get Fletcher Cox. So, guys, Avery, let's start with you. Uh, first impressions from just the original 2012 draft before we ruin it for everybody. Yeah, wait, can you guys remind me? It's 2012, so where did the Giants pick? Giants picked at 32. Oh, right. We won the Super Bowl that year. Right. Damn, right. How uh, was your, how thanks was your for rubbing it in. Thanks for rubbing I don't know. You might see a little bit of a um, maybe going against the grain here with some of my picks. And um, I guess there's a little disclaimer. I guess we had the option if we wanted to, to reverse a couple trades that were relatively big trades. So um, you'll see that later on. I think Corey and I had the two options for some uh, relatively big trades and uh, maybe an unpopular pick for one of mine that uh, will come rather quickly. And uh, Craig, just uh, first impressions with uh, so just to kind of recap for everybody. So the Eagles took Fletcher Cox at number 12. That worked out very well. Uh, Craig's Jets took Quentin Copels at number 16. Uh, and then uh, Avery's Giants took David Wilson with the last pick of the first round, which that was beyond his control. That, man, that guy was, that guy had all the makings. And then that damn neck injury. Too many backflips. 
But just looking at this draft, top to bottom, this was probably the most loaded draft of at least the last 10 years. So, you know, there's a lot of good guys to take here. And, you know, doing this redraft is going to be real fun because, you know, there's a lot of busts, like the Jets pick, right, at 16. (laughs) So it's going to be fun to see, you know, what they could have had. Yeah, I think the best part about these is you see when your team picks and then you just go a little bit further down a list and you can see that your team really fucked up and passed on Russell Wilson. <laughs> well, everybody <laughs> passed on Russell Wilson at least twice. So, <laughs> yikes. So, okay, we're going to go into it. So, to kind of break down what we're doing, uh, as Avery mentioned before, uh, Craig will start with the first pick of every three. Uh, Avery will have the second pick of every three, and I'll have the third pick of every three. So if you're doing the math at home, wait, Corey, there's 32 teams. Yeah, I'm sacrificing my last pick. Sorry, guys. I can give you my honorable mentions at the end, but that's that's what I'll do for you. But so, Craig, let's start it off with the Indianapolis Colts, and I think this is probably the easiest pick of the entire redraft. Right. This is definitely the easiest pick. All my other ones that I looked at were a lot harder than this one, but this one's a no-brainer. It's got to be Russell Wilson. You know, Russell Wilson always been as a stud his whole career, right? He's been to the Pro Bowl, I think, six times, been to the Super Bowl twice already, won one. And, you know, Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck had a pretty good career for, you know, how Unfortunately, it ended early because of his injury concerns. So you have to go with Russell Wilson because he's still in the league. He's had so much success, and I think he would still he would be a good fit for the Colts. Maybe even better than Andrew Luck was because of the fact that the Colts, you know, they had a struggling offensive line most of Andrew Luck's tenure there, and you know Russell Wilson can get around a little bit. So I think Russell Wilson is the no-brainer pick for number one. Yeah, uh, I think Russell Wilson's obviously the no-brainer pick. Uh, hasn't missed a game in his career yet in eight years. Uh, right. The winningest player in this draft. And clearly, what a lot of people didn't see in him based on his height, just he honestly started the, the uh, scouting differently of, okay, shorter quarterbacks are okay. That's why you see the last two number one picks before this year, obviously. Uh, in Baker, Mayfield, and Kyler Murray, both on the short side. Right, and yeah. He absolutely killed that stigma. Yeah. And, quarterback. and remember when he got drafted and uh, people thought Matt Flynn would be the starter for the Seahawks? I mean, come on. But six-time Pro Bowler, as you said, one-time Super Bowl champion, and honestly having his best years recently with very little help in terms of offensive weapons. So, right. yeah, this is a right. no-brainer pick. As a fellow man under six feet tall, I strive to be Russell Wilson. Yes. Hard not to. okay Avery you are up with number two and you kind of hinted it so the Redskins traded up to get RG3 so are you going to keep with the Redskins here with this massive trade or are you going to give it back to the Rams so the Redskins did give up a lot for this trade and we have it written down here they got the number two pick for 639 and in 2013 a first and a 2014 first realistically if i'm smart knowing how this played out i'm reversing this i'm not giving up all those picks if i'm the redskins but i am and the redskins are going to make this pick with uh after trading with the rams 
there are a lot of good players that I think are going to probably get picked three and four here that you could also see going here. But just because of their position, I don't think this is the spot for them. So I'm going with Andrew Luck here at number two. He is the most talented quarterback I've ever seen in college. He's top three most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen play with my own eyes in the NFL. But to me, it's three players. Rodgers, I think, is the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. Kate Manning and Andrew Luck, two and three for me. And I think him going to the Redskins here is a perfect spot for him. Hopefully, maybe that derails a little bit of injuries. I don't know. Maybe it makes him uh, want to play a little bit longer. Probably not because it's the Redskins, but I think it's a good spot for him here. Right. You could definitely take that standpoint that if Andrew Luck was on a different team, you know, maybe he doesn't have the injuries. You know, maybe if he has some better protection, he's still playing today. For sure. And you could look back at that 2014 season where he had 40 touchdowns and almost 4,800 passing yards as that was his apex in a very bad Colts team where they really didn't help him at all. And Ryan Grigson did a piss poor job of managing that team as a whole. I, I really think almost anybody could have done a better job managing that team than Ryan Grigson did. But I love the alternate universe pick where let's get Andrew Luck somewhere else and have that talent play out somewhere else. Because Russell Wilson has played on bad offensive lines and has thrived under it. It almost makes him better. Just be able to scramble outside the pocket. But now I think Andrew Luck is the smart pick here and you're just banking on and hoping that that talent plays up on a, you could say a, a better team. I mean, they won the division in 2012. So if right. you imagine that one year of uh, RG3 being great, having that prolonged success with Andrew Luck, I mean, Redskins could, could have been really good. Exactly. I just, I, I just remember seeing him in college, and I'm getting the same feeling that I got watching Saquon Barkley, you know, at Penn State, or my favorite court, my favorite um, college players of all time were Luck, Christian McCaffrey, and Saquon Barkley. And I'm a Michigan fan, so, you know, that pains me to say. But just seeing him – playing college, the absolute lock that he was, there's no way you don't take him to you. Yeah, there was, there was so much hype around Andrew Luck. He was the biggest thing since Peyton Manning. And, you know, no one, I don't, I don't think there's been as much hype for anyone since. Honestly, like people will say Joe Burrow, but who knew who Joe Burrow was before this past year? Andrew Luck, we knew this guy since he was like a freshman at Stanford. You, he was huge. Yeah, Joe Burrow couldn't be out. All right. So now this leaves me in an interesting position here Uh, with the third pick. I have the Cleveland Browns who were very much interested in Trent Richardson and they made it that much more notable when they traded up one pick from the Minnesota Vikings to get him. Even though we all kind of knew that Richardson was going to be a Brown and Matt Khalil was going to be a Viking. They just flip flop picks for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, so, uh, going through the Browns roster is interesting. They badly needed wide receivers. So, in the supplemental draft right after this, later in the summer, they ended up taking Josh Gordon, who was their number one receiver, obviously. But outside of that, their receivers were awful. Greg Little was their number one outside of Josh Gordon. They drafted Travis Benjamin, who really is just like a gadget guy. And, yeah, not great. Good I night. I, I know exactly what's coming now. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and so I could go quarterback here because they really – quarterback play wasn't exactly 
great from them, but you could honestly argue it being further down on their list. So with the third pick, I'm going to take T.Y. Hilton. Oh, no. Yes, I just did it. Uh, T.Y. <laughs> They're like, oh, no. T.Y., for the size he brings, and he was a third-round pick in this draft, and another Florida guy, shout out, uh, has really been the number one option for the Colts since he was drafted, and he thrived alongside Love. Uh, he's been a 1,000-yard receiver five times in his career, uh, 30 yards short of a sixth, four-time Pro Bowler, uh, 2016 was his best season. He had 1448 yards, uh, and six touchdowns. I just think he posts an interesting threat as a number one receiver where he's not physically imposing, but he's a smart route runner and he's just nifty. He's crafty. And I just think, yes, injuries have gotten to him a little bit the last two years or so, just a little bit, but that's a weapon that no matter, almost no matter who you bring in a quarterback, at Cleveland, that that weapon is badly needed. If you look down that depth chart, they do not have a viable NFL wide receiver. So I'm going to take T.Y. here. And believe it or not, when I ranked all these guys for a graduate thesis, I did. Wide receivers were among the most valuable players that were constantly being under-evaluated. So in terms of war, in terms of wins, I'll take T.Y. here all day. Yeah, I really don't think you can argue it too much. I think there's obviously other positions other players at different positions here that you can go for but i don't think they're game changers ty hilton's definitely a game changer with that deep threat that size just everything that he is he's a true number one and you pair him off with you know a really good quarterback like he did with andrew luck and you can just see the sky's the limit for him yeah definitely a uh, outside the box pick there with ty hilton obviously that's one of their biggest needs along with you know everything under the kitchen sink for the browns at this time but you know they had they had no luck with quarterbacks so you know chances are you take a quarterback you take say andrew luck was available and you took him in the brown spot does andrew luck have success on the browns who knows and i think ty hilton is a much safer pick and you know i think he could be could have been successful in that role and it's funny going back through their roster their offensive line was really good they had a actually a really good defense so the big thing they were missing was skill position guys so they had tight ends they had jordan cameron and ben watson who were very solid not great but solid so they needed a running back a stalwart running back and they needed some wideouts to catch the ball so that's kind of where i went on this so craig uh with this trade down you now have the minnesota vikings at number four and this is where they were linked to matt khalil through the whole process and they got him and they might want to take that back now so who'd you get right so this is a tough pick because you know the vikings needs the people at the top of my board you know aren't really fitting those needs um i i, I thought about this long and hard and you know i could have went Mitchell Schwartz, you know, Mitchell Schwartz is probably the best tackle on the board. That's one of their biggest needs. But, you know, he came on pretty late when he went to Kansas City. So I'm going to go with the best available here for the Vikings. I'm going to go with Bobby Wagner. He's the best available on my board. Um, he's a five-time All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowler. And he's widely regarded now, eight years later, as the best linebacker in the league. So this guy is an absolute stud, and I think he would have been a difference maker for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, that guy is just a tackle hog. I think he had close to 
100 solo tackles in 2017 yep. by himself. And that's, that's, a, that's a crazy high number that you never see. Um, and then, you know, he's always around the 130 mark and just combo tackles. Right. Last year, actually, in 2019, he had 160. So he's just, you know, by age, he's kind of getting better here. Yeah, he led the league in tackles last year, and he led one other time in 2016 with 167, which is crazy. Yeah, so what I went through all these – so to kind of digress here, this graduate thesis I did, I went through the six most recent drafts at the time, which were 2012 to 17. And um, the 2012 Seahawks draft was ridiculous. It was the best draft that any team had in this stretch. Because Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, right at the top. J.R. Sweezy, who was a seventh-round defensive lineman they converted to guard. <laughs> Bruce Irving. I mean, this draft was great for them. But yes, Bobby Wagner was my number two guy on the board also. Uh, has only missed a handful of games in his career. Extremely solid player. The, the biggest issue, honestly, was, wasn't was like how great he is. It's just, do you really want to take a middle linebacker that early? But I think for four the talent he brings just makes sense. All right. Avery here is another interesting one. So the Jacksonville Jaguars are up and they took Justin Blackman with this pick and <laughs> yeah, that didn't work. Uh, so Avery, who are you thinking will not go to jail this time for the Jags? <laughs> so for the Jaguars, I have them as just needing talent. Who is the best guy available? There's a couple of different but I think Craig made this take very easy for me by going with Bobby Wagner. So I'm going with the next best available guy on my board, and that is Luke Keekley, seven-time pro bowler, five-time all-pro, defensive rookie of the year when he came out, defensive player of the year, the year after that in 2013. Guy is just good, and obviously a little injury-riddled and retired early, but once again, I guess I'm two for two on them. Maybe it'll play out differently on a new team that'll play a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, he led the league in tackles uh, two of his first three seasons, including 164 combined tackles, 103 solo his rookie year. That's just insane. Uh, and, yeah, like you said, pro bowler every year of his career after his rookie year. And surprisingly didn't miss a game his final two years, which is pretty nuts considering all the concussion issues that he had, and that's why he retired. But, yeah, hopefully he finds a new role. Uh, I believe he's doing scouting for the Panthers now, so – Wish him all the best with that. And but yeah, just absolute beast, generational talent. Uh, and the middle of Carolina's defense is gonna miss him. Yeah, I don't really think there's too much to argue with the last two picks going linebacker, linebacker there. No, they they were number two and three on my board. So like if you were just going purely best available, yeah, that makes all the sense in the world, even with all the needs yeah. that the Jags had. Exactly. And those two guys were the guys I was uh, referring to previously when I was picking for the Redskins at two. Um, yes, I could go Bobby Wagner and Keekly there at number two. They were the next two available on my board, but I just don't think interior linebackers are the way to go at number two. Um, if you're trading all those picks, you need a playmaker. You need some guys to make a difference. So that's why I went Andrew Luck there. But, you know, if that yeah. means Keekly falling back to the Jags and Wagner falling back to the Vikings, I think they sign up for that every day. Yeah, definitely with the trade, you got to go with a quarterback there if you're keeping that trade there. Um, if there's no trade, maybe you take one of these guys, two or three, because these guys are absolute studs, as you know. Um, also, you, Avery, as a Giants fan, you don't want Luke Keekley going number six. So. Nah, nah, 
That's why you have dog the, 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 the last thing, the last thing we need is another white cowboy that's going on in the next few years. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, sadly, so I was the second trade that I could have considered reversing. So the Cowboys moved up. They had 14 and 45 in the second round. They traded up with the Rams to get number six. And they took Morris Claiborne, who obviously was not a star, but he's still in the league doing something. He was on the Chiefs last year and won a ring. So he he's okay. He, he's not number six caliber talent, and he never was, but he's still in the league. So I guess that says something. Uh, so in redoing this, the Cowboys really only had two notable needs, and that was on both lines. Uh, they could have used some interior linemen, and then they could have used an edge rusher in particular. So the two options that really stand out at the moment, and one is kind of a reach, and that's David DeCastro, of, who's now in the Steelers, at guard, which six is pretty high for a guard, but Quentin Nelson kind of put that to bed a couple years ago. Yeah, he did. So I think who I'm going to take here is the edge rusher always plays, and I'm going to take uh, Chandler Jones, who was drafted by the Patriots, and you now know him on the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the Patriots doing their classic uh, dump before they have to sign him to a new contract. Uh, Chandler Jones has not missed a game as an Arizona Cardinal. He's played 16 games five times in his career, three-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro with the Cardinals at, while switching positions. Uh, he's had 10 sacks or more in six seasons, including 19 last year, and he led the league with 17 three years ago. Uh, he also led the league with 28 tackles for loss in 2017, which is just stupid. So I just think edge rusher-wise, that's something the Cowboys really haven't nailed down in a long time. And unfortunately, I have to give them the best player available, and that's Chandler Jones. Right, I think this is a solid pick for the Cowboys here. Um, like you said, this guy is an absolute sack machine. He's got 96 sacks in his career. Um, he was an absolute stud when he was in New England there. And he was one of the guys where I was surprised that New England let him go for the money. I know New England, you know, they don't like to pay out on these guys. They, you know, they'll go find the next guy. And I was surprised that they let him go because he's still been productive as we are here eight years later. Yeah, there's no one that does that better than New England. And I, as a Giant fan, am now seeing that with Nate Solder as we just made him what, the highest paid left tackle in the league, and what is he doing for us right now? Nothing. So it, it doesn't surprise me at all what they do in New England, how good he was, just letting him go. But he's, you know, he's obviously hasn't declined like Nick Soldier has. Chandler Jones is still an absolute stud for sack machine over there. Yeah, it clearly wasn't like a Richard Seymour deal where they thought he would decline, so they wanted to get out of his deal. But the Cardinals got him for Jonathan Cooper who, I don't know if you remember him, he was like the seventh pick in the draft like two years before that trade. He was awful. And a second-round pick in 16. That's it. And they got arguably the best sacker in the league. <laughs> so, well done by you, Arizona. Like, there hasn't been too many bright spots for you in the GM area recently, but that was a good one now four years ago. Okay. Craig, you are up with the Tampa Bay – or, the, I'm sorry, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh. Uh <laughs> uh, at this point, they took safety Mark Barron. He was not a linebacker yet, but later in his career, he has now been a inside linebacker in like a Dion Buchanan kind of role. So who do you have them replacing Barron with? 
Well, one guy in the Bucks in 2012 switched from cornerback to free safety, and that was Rondé Barber when he was and he was 37 years old. So I'm going to have them drafting Rondé Barber's replacement at cornerback, and that's going to be Stephon Gilmore. Mm. So Stephon Gilmore is widely regarded now as the best cornerback in the league. Now, his career, I think, has come on late a little bit. I think it didn't start out as good as he is now, but this guy is an absolute beast now. Last two years, he's been first-team All-Pro. He's been Pro Bowler. Um, he doesn't have the interceptions numbers, only 24 interceptions in his career, but neither did Darrell Revis, right? And I think this guy has probably been the best cornerback since Revis. So I think he would be the perfect fit to replace Rondé Barber at corner. Yeah, I can't argue that. That's a very good pick. Uh, that was definitely on my list of needs for them. Um, this is too high to draft a running back in this draft particularly. And I just think this fits a position need. He's been outstanding. He led the league with six picks and 20 passes defended last year. And an insane 21 approximate value last year, which usually only Pro Bowl quarterbacks hit that number. So that is just insane. So, yeah. He hasn't come on until he left Buffalo and went to New England, especially the last two years, but what a player. And I think that's a smart pick considering how bad Tampa's pasty was for a long time. Yeah, I definitely think that is the right pick here. <clears throat> Clearly right now the best corner in the league. What does scare me a little bit is he didn't come on until, like you guys have said, didn't come on until New England. So part of me is like, how much does the mastermind Bill Belichick have to do with his success? And can he succeed in Tampa or Tampa, if you want to call it that, but I think it's the right pick. Yeah, he's Gilly is an absolute stud, even right now. You know, eight years later, he's still locking down everyone he sees. Yeah, I had him 12th on my board, but again, considering the other needs they had, the only other people that I guess maybe would have made sense were off ball linebackers like a high tower or a Levante David or like a safety like Harrison Smith, which aren't as value added. So I think that makes perfect sense. All right, Avery, you have the Miami Dolphins at number eight. Uh, this pick was kind of seen as a lock before the draft as well, considering Ryan Tannehill was tight with uh, Mike Sherman, who was running the Dolphins front office at the time, at, and they both were at A&M together. So I'm wondering, do you keep Ryan Tannehill here, knowing now what he is in Tennessee, or do you go somewhere else? See, I know you're on the same page with me here, and I I believe, at least. You're a big Ryan Tannehill guy. I always have been a big Ryan Tannehill guy when he was drafted throughout. Even, you know, he had just knee injuries. I think Adam Gage was just a horrific, horrific coach, and I think Trent Tannehill was there. And it just didn't fit. No argument. This, I think, is, when I was looking at this previously, was the toughest for me to pick. But when it's so tight, I have to go best available. And that's not Ryan Tannehill here. I have to go with Fletcher Cox here. Okay. Fletcher Cox is just an absolute stud, five-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, and unfortunately one-time Super Bowl champ. I uh, don't want to talk about that one there, but, you know, he gets his fair share of tackles. You know, he's he started kind of tailed off towards the end, but started off really hot, getting you know, 60, 70 tackles a year. Um, but he's just, you know, he's an absolute force in the middle. When you have that big guy in the middle that can just stop anything or be a eight, take a couple of double teams away and have the edge rushes go free. I think it just, you know, helps just so much more. And I think that will really help in Miami over here. 
Yeah, that was a good trade up for the Eagles. So they traded up three spots uh, from 15 to 12, and they gave up a fourth and a sixth, which I could look up what those picks were, but they're irrelevant. We got the better player in the deal. Uh, obviously, now lives in uh, Mullica Hill. Shout out South Jersey. Uh, but he's only missed two games in the last seven years. Just an absolute stalwart. He had 10 and a half sacks in 18 which was probably his best professional year. Didn't sack as much last year, but his run de- defense numbers are just insane. Uh, yeah, absolute beast. He's my number four player on my board behind Russell Wilson and the linebackers of Wagner and Keekley. Yeah, I like this pick. Where would you rank Fletcher Cox now in terms of defensive tackles? I got to think he's two right behind Aaron Donald. That's where I would have him. I'd say that's just, because of that, just because of that run stopping ability, I think so. Yeah, like obviously he doesn't have the crazy pass rush that you know Aaron Donald possesses, but you know you look at guys like him and you know, for instance, a lesser quality of his kind like Snap Harris, and he's just an absolute force in stopping the run. I think it's a great pick for or a great quality to have as a defensive tackle. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, he is easily our most consistently great player. Uh, and he's the reason why our defensive line has been held in so high regard the last few seasons in particular. But, yeah, now he'll be in Miami, sad. Okay, Uh, (laughs) good thing this is all fake. Okay, Uh, with the ninth pick, I have the Carolina Panthers, who took Luke Keekley originally. Great pick, but he is already gone to Jacksonville, so I cannot take him. So there's a couple directions I could go here. Uh, Their two biggest needs were at the time uh, they needed another field stretching wide receiver to help Cam Newton out, who just finished his rookie season at that time and won offensive rookie of the year. And they really needed a uh, defensive tackle, which they didn't take until a couple years later. They actually got two in back-to-back rounds with the Starla Tulele and Kwan short. And then like, kind of lesser needs. They needed that middle linebacker, which ironically Keekly is, and then they needed another corner to help them out in pass protection. So really, if you look at the board and how it sits right now, man, uh, you guys took all the people I wanted here. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take Dontari Poe here just for a need-based move. And Dontari Poe I know was phenomenal early in his career with the Kansas city chiefs. And he's kind of bounced around a few teams the last couple of years, but just an absolute run stopping nose tackle, something that Carolina could easily bring, especially considering if you looked at their defensive line this year, they gave up the most rushing yards in the league by a mile. It was so soft. It was embarrassing, but Dontari Poe would be that guy to plug the middle and ironically, he's been in Carolina the last two years, so I guess that would work out really well for him. Uh, yeah, his best two years were in Kansas City, 13 and 14, uh, two-time Pro Bowler. Uh, he had 13 and 11, approximate value each. Uh, six sacks and 14 for an interior nose tackles. Really good. And like I said, not an absolute star, but a very, very solid player early in his career. So he'll get you four or five good years, and then you move on. Yeah, just... and he threw a touchdown pass. Yes. Huh. yes, yes, he did. There we go. How many defensive tackles have thrown a touchdown pass? Exactly. <laughs> but I, I agree with you, Corey. You know, very, very solid player. You know, doesn't really stand out. He's not your Fletcher Cox. He's not your Aaron Donald. But you know, he gets the job done, and I think he's for sure a first-round pick still. 
Yeah, I think if you're going off positional need, I think it's the pick. Obviously, I, I had maybe six or seven guys still on the board that technically I had above him. But if you're looking at positional need here, I think he's the guy. He fits that need perfectly. And, you know, he's an absolute stud. He's not going to give you that flash, like you said, but, you know, he'll get the job done. Yeah, item 13th on my board, uh, not a big deal, but a lot of the other needs that Carolina had were pushed way down on my board. So at that point, it was either that or I take somebody like a another tackle or a, another linebacker who's off ball. Right. Okay, so now we crack into the double digits, and Craig, you are up with the Buffalo Bills. It took Stephon Gilmore 10th overall. I would say that worked out for them only after he left. Right. <laughs> so right. who are you going to take here? Well, the third pick in this redraft actually screwed me up a little bit because my plan was to take T.Y. Hilton here <laughs> as one of their biggest needs as wide receiver. Yes. But their other needs, I'd say, are offensive tackle and middle linebacker. Yep. Middle linebacker's off the, off the board now because Bobby Wagner and Luke Keekley are also gone. So my pick is not easy here. So I'm going to roll with Mitchell Schwartz. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz, he was originally drafted by the Browns. Um, didn't get off to a great start in his career, but, you know, he's turned it around. He went to Kansas City, and I think that's probably the Andy Reid effect, you know, turning it around. But I think he's been a very solid contributor, and I think he would be the right pick for the Bills because offensive tackle is definitely their second biggest need, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, Mitchell Schwartz. You know, those Browns offensive lines in that era were really underrated when you had Joe Thomas and Alex Mack. And Mitchell Schwartz was like maybe the fourth guy of that group that everyone kind of forgot about because he was the young guy. But that line was actually really solid. And that was not the reason they were losing games or were incompetent back then. Right. But They just didn't have anything else. Nothing else. (laughs) Yeah. So, but no, the last four years in Kansas City in particular have just been insane. Uh, A combined 64 approximate value in those four years in Kansas City is just unheard of for an offensive tackle. Uh, Again, he's really a right tackle. So I don't know where you want to put him. He might be better off just staying on the right side in, in this Buffalo redraft, but Pro Bowler in 18, Super Bowl champ this year. I think he's a great pick. He was number five on my board. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you need much commentary here. It was the best available on my board as well. Um, I think he's just gonna once again get the job done. If you need a right tackle, I maybe move him to left. But he is a normal right tackle. But any kind of tackle that you can get at number eleven, that's probably top five. I think he was number five in or many people's redraft. I know he's on mine, Corey. I'm looking at yours. Looks like he was on yours too. Yeah. Um, you can get a top five talent who's also a tackle at 10 or 11. We're picking a 10 right now. Man, that's a steal. Right. And just taking a look at the Bills 2011 depth chart here, their tackles were Chris Hairston and Eric Pierce. If you could tell oh. me who either of those guys are, I'll give you a dollar. <laughs> not, not, well, I know who those guys are, and they were not great. So that's why tackle was high on their list. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I'm pretty sure wide receiver was higher on their list because they had just traded Stevie Johnson to the 49ers, I want to say, that offseason. So they literally had nobody. So, right. yeah, so that's a good pick for them. All right, Avery, you are up at number 11 with the Kansas City Chiefs, who did not take Mitchell Schwartz with this pick, but they took Dontari Poe, who is now gone. So where are you looking for the Chiefs here? So with Casey, I actually had a lot of 
highlighted. Um, yeah, a lot. I have been needing a tackle defensively, no linebacker, a quarterback, a guard, a safety. And I think the only position that we're good at or they didn't need were a receiver and defensive end. And there's two guys that I'm looking at right now. Uh, this might be a little bit of a surprise, but it's Matt Castle's time to go, and I'm taking Ryan Tannehill here at number 11. Okay. You know, Tan- uh, Matt Castle looked really good that year in New England. I think he went 10-5 when Brady went down. Yep. And then got the money and went over to Kansas City and was not it. I think he went, I have it right here, 4-11, and then 10-5 in 2010, which was like, oh, maybe he's back again. And then an injury riddle, 2011, 4-5 as a starter, so only played nine games, and I think it's time for him to go and foreshadowing the future. He only went 1-7 the year after that. So in 2011, I'm taking Ryan Tannehill here. A new system, a new coach, no more Adam Gase. Hopefully a safer knee, and I think he'll succeed here. Yeah, I, I like this pick. It's outside of the box a little bit. Um, I think Andy Reid came a year after this draft. Is that I correct? Believe, I believe so, yes. So I think, you know, yes, he did. I, I, I think anyone could really be successful with Andy Reid. The guy's a genius. Oh, so yeah. I, I think Tannehill could be a good fit here in Kansas City. Obviously, Miami was not the right fit. Um, he started out with Joe Philbin, I think, as his coach. <laughs> And then Adam Gase. So that's just that's just like a one-two knockout punch for most people. But somehow he's still he's still in the league and you know having success now with the Titans. So I think, you know, with the right team, this guy could have gotten off to a much better start. So I like that. Yeah. Joe Joe Philbin was the left hook for Mike Tyson. He somehow got up and then Adam Gase was just the right hook and somehow this motherfucker still got up. Right. Yeah, it's crazy because, like, Tannehill's never won more than eight games in a season that in games he started in, ever. He went, he won eight games three times with the Dolphins, and he went seven and three last year. He had a career seven yards per attempt with the Dolphins. Had almost 10 last year with the Dolphins. Adjusted (laughs) yards per attempt, he had 6.7 with the Dolphins, 10.2 with the Titans. I mean, the numbers jump off the page. It was definitely a better scheme. And he wasn't getting sacked a league leading 58 times like he was the Dolphins in 2013. So let's give him a chance here. The Dolphins didn't give him a chance. And I really like this pick. Okay. It looks like the first of our hometown picks is happening. I am up with my Philadelphia Eagles at number 12. I'm assuming they are still going to trade up here. And not really a ton of obvious needs here. Um, they could use an off-ball linebacker, and they could use another defensive tackle. And looking at who's left at defensive tackle, I can't say I'm really that thrilled. Michael Brockers would be my best available, and he's okay. Like, he plays, but nothing jumps off the page, really. So I think I'm going to go with the very unpopular pick of an off-ball linebacker, and I'm going to go Dante Hightower from the Patriots. Uh, the dude wins games. I mean, it's that simple. Two-time Pro Bowler, three-time Super Bowl champ. Uh, he has had some injury issues, especially in 17. He only played five games, but he's had over 500 tackles in his career. And again, off-ball guy. So uh, 16 and 19 were his best years, 13 approximate value, and 17 last year. And he's never left the Patriots. He's just been there consistently playing off the ball, allowing other people to do their thing. Um, he'll rush the passer. He defends in coverage very well. And 
he's just an outstanding player. It's a name you don't hear too much of, but if you watch the tape, he just really stands out. So I think in a 4-3 ski that the Eagles ran, this is a no-brainer pick here for the value. Yeah, I really like I like him here for his uh his pass coverage more or less than his, you know, pass rushing. Um, even though his pass rushing is obviously really good as well. Uh, he can hit whenever he wants, but whenever he needs to, he can rush the passer. He gets a decent amount of QB hits a year. But I think I really like this pick for the pass coverage aspect yeah. of his game here. Yeah, and being a Jets fan, I've seen plenty of this guy in his career. And <laughs> I, I, every time the Jets play the Pats, I feel like this guy is on like every single tackle. So I, I think this guy is somewhat of a monster. And I think he would fit in well with the Eagles. And we really had a hole at outside linebacker even in the 2012 season after this draft. Uh, D'Amico Ryans had come over through a trade, and this was really the first of maybe two or three like really great years he had in Philly. And Michael Kendricks was just starting. We picked him in the second round in this draft, um, and he came on very strong with that speed. But then Akeem Jordan was our other linebacker, and that could have been an easy place to swap him out for Hightower, and that would have been a lethal linebacking crew because our defensive line was very good at the time but yeah anything to help that really now that i look at it awful secondary oh god that was brutal okay i'm gonna gonna get off this page and pretend it didn't happen okay craig you are up with the arizona cardinals at 13 who took uh, notre dame wide receiver michael floyd who yeah we're just gonna move on from that one so who are you taking here that didn't work out. Um, so I looked at wide receivers here. I mean, I, I don't love the wide receivers that are left. You know, the top of the wide receiver board for me is maybe Alshon Jeffrey here. But I, I don't really love that. Um, their next biggest need, I'd say the Cardinals, would be an offensive lineman. So I'm going to go with the best offensive lineman available. And on my board, that's David DeCastro. Nice. So... David DeCastro, he has made the Pro Bowl the last five years. He's been a two-time All-Pro. He's been part of Super Bowl teams. So I, I think this guy, you know, he's he's just the right fit. <laughs> Sorry for my lack of words here. It's a guard. Um, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, so, but he... Yeah, he's one of the best guards in the NFL, uh, no question. That's another one of those guys you watch the tape. It just jumps off. Uh, absolute mauler at the position, uh, and he's the reason the Steelers really jumped off, because he slipped to them at 24. He wasn't supposed to go that low, and it really paid off for them. He had an injury-riddled first year, but he started every game since, and just an absolute stalwart. Right, and every year you look at the Steelers, and they're a top-five offensive line each year, year in and year out, and he's part of it. Yeah, and he's like one of only two guys on that line that really came with pedigree. They got Marquise Pouncey also in the first round and then to Castro, but everybody else, they just kind of plug in. Like they find like undrafted free agents. Uh, their left tackle now, uh, Villanueva was a defensive line lineman uh, for the Eagles who we had cut right after he finished a tour of duty uh, with the army. So, I mean, they just find these guys everywhere else, but like the middle of the line has always been pedigree and it really started with the Castro. Right. And sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes you need just, you know, one or two guys that you draft early on with the pedigree, like you said, and then you just have to have the right guys in your front office with the right eye to find the right um, fits for your line. Yeah, boring pick, but, you know, as a scorer's job, it's a guard, he'll do his job. It's about it. 
<laughs> All right, we're gonna end the misery of uh, the guard talk here. Uh, Avery, you are up with number fourteen. So we kept this trade. So the then St. Louis Rams are on the clock after they traded down twice from two to six to fourteen. Uh, they originally took Michael Brockers here, which again, not a star, but he still plays every game. He's solid, and he almost got a big payday with the Ravens, but he ended up staying with the Rams instead. So who do you got, Avery? So, Craig uh, actually alluded to this before. I personally don't love, love, love this spot to pick him here, but because of positional needs and where he's going, I have Alshon Jeffrey here going. Oh, okay. With newly acquired and uh, get one year under his belt, Sam Bradford here. I think Alshon is just a perfect target to help him. Um, he played two really good seasons off the bat in Chicago when he actually played all 16 games. I think he had 1,400 yards and 1,100 yards after that. And then obviously injuries started to play him a little bit. He's just a big, big guy that you can toss the ball up to. And if he stayed healthy, I think him and the biggest thief in NFL history, Sam Bradford, who just, you know, collects paychecks, could have brought here a little bit. Maybe Sam Bradford could have been a little bit better of a quarterback here. Maybe last the Rams a little bit longer. But I like Alshon Jeffrey here. Yeah, it definitely makes sense with their needs. Uh, really, their biggest areas of need where they needed another field-stretching wide receiver because if you look at their roster for – Right after this draft, their leading receivers were Chris Givens, Brandon Gibson, and Danny Amendola before the concussions. So, yeah, not great. Uh, Definitely yeah, a little bit of a reach, but. Yeah, but I mean, like, other than that, it would have been probably taking Michael Brockers here again. Or, like, you go with an outside linebacker that they needed and best available in this case would have been a Levante David. But Right, who's just another, you know, he, he's there. He's, you know, yeah. that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, but unless you're in Tampa, you don't know who he is. Yeah, exactly. Right. So for what they needed, they all if you noticed one thing from all those names I said, they're all small, speedy receivers. So Alshon gives them a nice, uh, tall option in the red zone. So I like this pick. A little high, but I like it. Definitely. I He's not like the, uh, the tier one or tier two wide receiver you're looking for, but at the time, I'd say he's more like tier three. Uh, I think the beginning of his career, did he have Jay Cutler throwing on the ball? I believe so. In Chicago, yes. I think so. Oh, yeah. And he had, he had some success day. there. Um, you know, as you know, he's on the Eagles now. He had some had some success there. Now he's got some injury concerns had. now. Yeah, <laughs> has injury concerns <laughs> and well, he, and he, a bunch of other concerns, but yeah, just but I, th- he's he's a solid wide receiver, and you know he's had a very solid career. So I think it's a solid pick. Somehow only one Pro Bowl in his career. He got 1,421 yards in 13 his sophomore season. And that was it. He's just always been, yeah. like, solid. He had 1,000 yards at 14, and that was it. <laughs> He's never cracked 850 after that. Yeah, it's just a lot of injury riddles uh, here there after that. But, uh, you know, alternate universe, maybe it helps a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, I am up at number 15 with the Seattle Seahawks, who traded down when the Eagles traded up to get Fletcher Cox. Uh, this original pick was Bruce Irvin, which, if any of you remember that draft telecast, everybody was kind of shocked that he was the pick here. Because he wasn't supposed to be picked until day two, which I don't think the draft was three days back then. But So we'll say, yeah, it was the second, third round, what was now day two of the draft telecast. 
Bruce Irvin was a very he's a tweener. I would say now that pick looks really great in hindsight. That's the Seahawks. They take players earlier than every other team would, and it pays off for them. But he's mm-hmm. more of a that tweener edge rusher outside linebacker. No one really knows what he is or what he does. So I am probably not going to stick with him here. The Seahawks could use an edge rusher really bad, but I think there's a better one on the board here. Um, they could also use a wide receiver or a corner, and I don't see one here that I like at this point in my board. So give them an edge rusher. I'm going to give them a Whitney Merciless from the Houston Texans. Uh, a name that a lot of people, again, we just keep going back to this, but outside of Houston, does anybody really pay attention to him? Because, you know, there's J.J. Watt, and at the time there was Clowney. But he took advantage of it. I mean, his best season was probably 15. He had 12 sacks in 16 games. Uh, again, he's another hybrid guy. He's played a 3-4 uh, inside technique. He's done a, a 3-4 outside linebacker. He's even played some inside linebacker. He, they use him all over the place. and. He's really flourished in this kind of variety role because Houston now, with, especially without Clowney there now, they just put him everywhere. He's the moving chess piece. And he had his best sack year in a few years this past year. He actually started all 16 games for the first time since 2013. But a uh, really solid player. If you watch him, he's just – he's literally merciless. That name works so well. Uh, but, yeah, I just think – Edge rusher-wise, that's something they need. And you never know. It's a moving chess piece. He could probably play some outside linebacker, too. Yeah, and to add, to add to the hiding under the stars that they had, you know, they also had Brian Cushing at the time, too, in Houston, just another guy on the defensive side kind of hiding behind because Cushing was always that guy in the middle that everyone knew. Was that so, before after the Roids? Eh, I guess maybe, maybe around the same time, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> But yeah, I think it's a really good pick here. Um, not much to add to what you already said. It's Whitney Merciless. Um, if you were in Houston, you know he was good. Outside of it, you know, it's just a name that you recognize, but really good stuff here. Right, and and he's the perfect guy to go opposite of J.J. Watt. Yeah. Oh. Well, now he won't. Well, now. <laughs> well, not, not. <laughs> Yeah, they really didn't have anybody in Seattle, so that he would be the guy. So that would be interesting to see how he would be that guy. Well, right. I know why Craig tripped up there because he can't wait to make this pick. Number 16, we've reached the halfway point. It's the New York Jets and Craig's favorite pick of all time. Man, this stretch of drafts for the Jets was <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, you could literally pick anyone in the stretch and they were all bad. Sorry, Craig. Uh, yeah. but he, knew, he knew that already. Uh, so they picked uh, Quentin Copels, uh, edge nice. rusher who lasted all of, I believe, three years somehow in the league. Uh, Craig, who are you taking here to actually get some kind of redemption for the Jets? Uh, this be, be, be careful. This might be a this might be like an interview to actually get the Jets GM job because nothing's gone well for them. <laughs> <laughs> I know th- this one was tough, but you know I can't screw it up. Just looking at these boards, you know, there's so many guys to choose from that were studs now that we know are studs now. So play, playing Monday morning quarterback here is uh, ma- makes it easy to make the dra- the Jets pick. Obviously, Quentin Copel's probably the biggest bust of all time. In terms of Jets pick, and that's saying something because really? as Corey, mm, I think D Miller, yeah, yeah, D Miller, that, yeah. that guy was praised to be the next Darrell Revis. <laughs> okay, two years. <laughs> okay. okay, sorry, Copels is one B, <laughs> Milner, Milner is one A. 
So, you know, you can't really go wrong here with the pick. Um, the Jets, I would say their biggest needs were an edge rusher or safety or wide receiver. Uh, wide receivers off off the board now because you just took Alshon Jeffrey to the Rams. So I'm really between two guys here. One's a safety, one's an edge rusher. The safety I'm thinking about was Harrison Smith. We all know how good Harrison Smith is. And if you think, if Harrison Smith is on the Jets today, who isn't on the Jets today? <laughs> Jamal Adams, right? And we know the drama going on there. So Best cat of all time. <laughs> right. So I'm going to go with the other pick. I'm going to go with the edge rusher, and that's Melvin Ingram. Okay. Uh, I think Melvin Ingram is pretty similar to Merciless, right? He's got 49 sacks. I think Merciless had 50. Uh, Melvin Ingram, he's really turned it on as of late. Uh, he's made Pro Bowls each of his last three years, and I think the guy is a difference maker. And, you know, the Jets, they've needed a an edge rusher to get to the quarterback for so long. I can't remember a season where they had a dominant pass rusher since John Abraham. And how long ago was that? So yeah. I'm not looking that one up. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they've had good defenses because, you know, they had the right schemes in place when they had Rex Ryan, a little bit of Todd Bowles, but they've never really had that dominant edge rusher. And I think Melvin Ingram could have been that with the Jets. So that's my pick. Yeah, I mean, Monday morning quarterback definitely helps you with all the eight years of data that you can look into to see who they should have drafted. But in the end, they went with Quentin Copel. So uh, honestly, you probably could have drafted RG3 here and it's still an upgrade. But I think it's a good pick here. Melvin Ingram is a difference maker. Right. But at the time with quarterback, we still believed in Mark Sanchez, unfortunately. <laughs> once again, this could be your interview to be a Jets GM. Yeah, take, take notes. My podcast has huge reach, right? <laughs> but now, yeah, was, uh, was Ingram my best pass rusher on the board? No. I think Irvin is probably ranking a little higher. And that's probably mostly because Irvin's played on better teams, so he's won more games. Right. I am not the biggest Melvin Ingram fan, but the stats back it up. He's been remarkably consistent the last four or five years. But, no, I like the pick. I maybe would have leaned Sanu here just for a weapon. But, mm -hmm. uh, honestly, like Avery said, anything. Like, Copels, I think, is one of, like, the worst 20 players in this draft. He's right there with players who didn't play at all. So, yeah. The, the end result, so anything would have been good. The thing with Sanu, though, is Sanu a number one wide receiver? No. No. I mean, he, play, he played on, you know, some teams with good number one wide receivers, so I don't know if he could be that for the Jets. So I thought about that, too, but I don't know. I thought Ed Rusher was definitely the biggest need. Yeah, and that them. makes sense. I think Sanu's numbers also were inflated because he played on good Cincinnati teams that got bad after he left. He right. played on decent Atlanta teams. And then right. now he's playing for the for the Patriots, so right. <laughs> his numbers yeah. are probably inflated by that. But you know, still, it's a good conversation to have. Okay, now we're in the second half of the draft, finally. And wow, we went really long here. Okay, Avery, you're up with the Cincinnati Bengals, who got this pick from trading Carson Palmer in the last season. Uh, they picked Dre Kirkpatrick, who just got cut, so he lasted there what eight years somehow. Yeah. Not that. Not that great. He started games for them. I didn't like him at all, personally. Never liked him. Yeah, so who do you have to replace him? 
Spoiler, I'm not picking Drake and Patrick here. <laughs> um, I think Corey kind of, I had two guys in mind here. Corey mentioned one of them before. Muhammad Sanu was an idea, but I agree with Craig here in saying he is just not a number one, and I don't want to take someone that's not going to be a number one at 17. I'm like, you know, the middle part of the draft. Although I think he could have definitely succeeded there with uh, newly acquired Jimmy Andy Dalton as a quarterback there. But I'm just going to go with my best player available here and definitely a need in that secondary. And I'm going with Harrison Smith. Guy's just, yeah. just a tackle machine at safety. He always gets, you know, upwards of 100 tackles a year. Uh, always good for two or three picks a year. I think a couple times he's had five or six. He's just always going to be there, really ball hawk guy that'll – you know, if not intercepted, he's going to be there deflecting that pass or knocking away that pass. So I think it's a good thing here. And they really need either a corner or safety here. So I think it's a team need and best available. So it just hits both edge. Yeah, it's funny how that worked out for Cincinnati because they've kind of had some really underwhelming safety play, even when they were good. Like they relied on George Iloka a lot and they drafted some like mid-round guys to kind of fill that role. And they've never been great. They've been okay, but... Harrison Smith would bring a new star power to that secondary they just never had. Because they had front four players. They had linebackers who made headlines for the right or wrong reasons. Uh, perfect. Um, and they, they had a lot of really good skill players uh, starting in that year. So, because they got Sanu and Marvin Jones in the same draft. I mean, come on. But, yeah, yeah I just think to, like, balance out the talent more of that team that's a great pick and based on my best available he was number 11 on my list so values yeah it's about where i had him too yeah and if you think about harrison's if you think about the top safeties in the league today i'd say harrison smith is probably in the top three Mm, that's a mild hot take in my opinion he hasn't looked great the last couple years i don't know if it's injuries or just getting old but i think i think like yeah, I think, I think Craig's safety scale is just out the door right now with all this talk, <laughs> <laughs> all this talk going on in the jet camp right now. So I, I wouldn't take anything Craig says about a safety to heart. <laughs> all right, ignoring Craig, got it. Uh, okay, I am up with the. I'm not going to do it. The San Diego Chargers. I did it right this time. Yeah. <laughs> the one time you could say San Diego and be right. Uh, with this pick, they took Melvin Ingram, and I think that worked out pretty well for them. Uh, so, just a need-based thing. Uh, shocker, they needed offensive linemen. They always need an offensive lineman. Uh, they could have used a running back in a post-LT world, and they could have used another corner. So, just looking at the board, uh, the best lineman left is really Riley Reef, who... Starts a lot of games, but, I mean, come on. He's not great at all. Um, he's just a body. Uh, running back, this class is pretty weak as a whole, so I'm going to ignore that need. And then corner, you could go with a Casey Hayward, who, if you look at his numbers, are just insane. I mean, he starts off really slow in Green Bay, but then he leaves to, uh, actually, ironically, the Chargers. And becomes an absolute stud and is arguably a top five corner in the league somehow when everybody thought he was a slot corner at best. But they always need linemen. So I think I'm going to do it. And I'm going to give them Riley Reef here. Uh, like I said, not my favorite pick in the world, but this is out of necessity. The Chargers never have linemen. 
Uh, Riley Reef's played pretty much all over the line. He's been a, a sixth lineman in jumbo sets. He's been a left tackle. He's been a right tackle. He's played in Detroit and Minnesota. Uh, like I said, no star power, but he's consistent. He plays almost every game every year, and you know that's kind of what they needed. Yeah, I mean, Riley Reef, not to be confused with Riley Reef. Really good. <laughs> just like he's not, he's, he's just this, you know, he's, he's a body. He plays games. And when you're talking about the offensive line, you just need a guy that's going to stay healthy because you know the issues come with the offensive line is when you start plugging and placing guys out of position or plugging and placing second string guys that haven't played with the quarterback before, don't know what all these first, uh, they haven't taken all these reps with the first team. So just having a guy that you know is going to play games is a good figure. Right. This this guy, Reef, he's not a stud, but, you know, he gets the job done. I think he's still a first-round pick. You know, he stayed healthy most of his career, and, you know, he hasn't been benched or cut or anything like that. So I think solid pick here. For well, he also, he also plays on Norm's Vikings now, so they won't cut any linemen because they still need linemen. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> Iowa Hog Molly, you know, those guys get overdrafted every year anyway. So, all right. Craig, there's another pick that I think the team would like to have back. You're up with the Chicago Bears. They took Shea McClellan, who every Bears fan was wondering, why did you take Shea McClellan? And sure enough, they were proven right. So who do you have the Bears <laughs> taking at 19? Uh, so this one, I pondered wide receivers. Um, obviously, they took Alshon Jeffrey in this draft, I believe, the second round. Yep. Right. So I pondered some wide receivers right now, not looking great for that. So I'd say their second biggest need would probably be offensive line. So I'm going to go with the best offensive lineman that I have on the board. And that's Brandon Brooks. Yeah. Now, Brandon Mm -hmm. Brooks, he was drafted by Houston, you know, didn't, didn't have the start they envisioned I'd say in Houston, he's on the Eagles now. And the last three years, this guy has turned it around and become an absolute monster. You know, unfortunately, he tore his Achilles. He's going to be out this year. But the last three years, he's made Pro Bowl. Last year, he probably should have been first team All Pro. Yes. But you know, Quentin Copels took that. Oh, Quentin Copels. Oh my God. <laughs> Quentin, <laughs> Quentin Nelson <laughs> took, took that from him. Oh my God! I have Quentin Copels stuck in my head now. That's going to be um, on the blooper reel everywhere now. Just so you know. <laughs> But this guy has turned into an absolute monster, and I think that he would be a difference maker on this Bears offensive line. You know, like I said, he started slow, but, you know, if they waited it out, or maybe, you know, they did whatever the Eagles did to make him an absolute beast, then, you know, he would be great with the Bears. Yeah, I think when that news broke that Brandon Brooks got hurt, I think Eagles fans started to put on the blindfold and walk across I-95 blindfolded here. After that year that he had last year, he was just everyone was like ready for it. He's gonna have such a good year this year as well. He definitely was. I wouldn't say robbed the first team All Pro because Quentin Nelson's also an absolute monster there. But if anyone was gonna get it over Quentin Nelson last year, not Quentin Couples, Quentin Nelson, it would be Brandon Brooks. This guy's just really, really good. Definitely a great pick here in nineteen. I'll sign up for that right there. The crazy part is, again, he was coming off an injury last year. So I can't say that even Eagles fans had the highest of expectations for him entering this past season. And they he blew every single one of them out of the water and became arguably had maybe the greatest season by a guard, you could say, in 
the last few years, especially mm-hmm. take out, you know, the Zach Martins, like it, he's up there, the Zach Martins, the Quentin Nelsons, like the all pro guards. He, he had that kind of season for us. And yeah, the Eagles offensive line coaches, they really just develop and it's insane. Jason Kelsey went from a fifth or sixth round pick. I want to say and a backup to an all pro center. So we develop offensive linemen at a really high hit rate. And that's why you see like, Fai get a monster contract when he was a backup for us and he played like, you know, 10 games. So yeah, I think the Brandon Brooks reclamation project really paid off. It's a shame he signed that. Well, good for him, bad for the Eagles that he signed that extension right before he tore the Achilles. So that's going to be fun to age. So uh, with, this, with this pick, I'll uh, take the Eagles offensive line coaching staff as well. Thank you. Okay. 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 Good. Yeah, because we know the Bears didn't have one, so yeah, <laughs> they're another team that like we always need offensive linemen every year, all the time. Doesn't matter who. Like you could look at their offensive line now, and it's they put some resources in it now, but like they have a seventh round pick starting at left tackle for them right now, so it's like, ugh. okay, another pick that the team would like to have back. Uh, Avery's up with the Tennessee Titans at number twenty to close out the non-playoff teams. Uh, they took Kendall Wright at receiver and. Like every receiver they've picked up until AJ Brown this past year, a bust. So Avery, who you got? Yeah, I think I'm going not based on best. I guess at this point you're kind of going based on team need. Once you're out of the first part of the draft, there's you know a handful of guys that I have above this guy that I'm taking. But you mentioned them before, top five corner in the league now, and I agree with that. I'm going with Casey Hayward here. Um, once he went to San Diego, and yes, I said that right, San Diego. He played one year in San Diego before I went to L.A. He's just been that guy. I think he had seven picks that year. And then, you know, obviously the picks started to slow down. The tackles kind of stayed kind of normal. He's just a consistent player that you're going to put on your number one or number two guy. I think he's just a really good pick here at 20. Um, yeah, 20. I would sign up for this, especially looking back and playing Monday morning quarterback and seeing Kendall Wright was the first. So sign me up for Casey Yeah, and it's kind of insane because in 16 and 17, he was a pro bowler with the Chargers. And then it's funny, the coverage skills have still been there, but the numbers haven't. You've seen every number like go down the last couple of years, but the coverage skills are still insane. So he must just be playing, you know, some kind of different scheme. I know the Chargers have had some flux with coaching staffs and everything that always happens with the Chargers, but <laughs> no. But those two years with the Chargers in 16 and 17 were unreal. And like I said, he never really had a major role in Green Bay. So, again, another late bloomer. And the Chargers consistently have really good secondaries. So, again, is it a product of that? But, no, really great player. Good pick here. Yeah, I'll take that over the middle of the road wide receiver that they took any day of the week. (laughs) Okay. I am up to start the playoff teams and – This is a trade, a rare trade up from the New England Patriots who traded up with the Bengals. Uh, They originally took Chandler Jones with this pick, which that worked. The trading him to Arizona didn't work. So really the biggest need for them, ironically, is edge rusher, which (laughs) they cured with this pick originally. And man, um, (laughs) there's some options actually in like the early second round, late first round that are available. You could get a Bruce Irvin, you could get an Olivier Vernon here. Uh, and then you could even argue corners another need, but with Casey Hayward just taken, there's really nobody left. So I'm going to take Bruce Irvin here. 
again, I kind of hinted it earlier. Uh, he's not a true 4-3 end. He's not a true 4-3 outside linebacker. He's a little bit of both. He can play both. How well? Well, that's up to you. But, um, again, a versatile player. We know how Belichick loves his versatile players that can play a little bit of everything. And he would actually take that uh, Dante Hightower role in that defense now that he's in Philly in our redraft. So, yeah, I think this is a good pick, just versatility and for them. Right, I like the pick. Um, Irvin, I don't think he's made a Pro Bowl. Don't believe uh, so. Might, but he's been a solid contributor, right, on the teams that he's been on. And I think putting him in New England would probably make him even better. Knowing him, he'd probably knowing New England, he'd probably be a first team All Pro there. So I, I like the pick here. Um, obviously, Chandler Jones is an absolute monster, but unfortunately, he went sixth in this draft. So I think this is another good option instead yeah he'll be he'll be a first team all pro and then they just won't pay him when it's time and then he'll just be a standard you know player for any other team but i think that's and you put him on new england you're good for four years yeah well that's kind of what happened he he bounced around after he left seattle he played on the raiders and the falcons for like half a season and uh he came crawling back last season to seattle and he was all right yeah, his best days were in his second and third season, but you know, again, it's versatility. That's all Belichick wants. He, he's not looking for absolute, you know, jump off the page stuff. So, oh, oh we're gonna have fun with this one, uh, Craig. You are up at number twenty-two with the Cleveland Browns. If you're wondering why do they have this pick, because they don't make the playoffs. Uh, this was from the Falcons trading up the year before to get Julio Jones. Which, if you look at all the picks that were traded, that worked out really well. So. In this original pick, they got Brandon Whedon. Uh, yeah, I have stats about Brandon Whedon, but um, it's not worth our time. So, Craig, who are you going to have the Browns taking with their second first rounder? Well, we all know how Brandon Whedon turned out. And luckily, you didn't take a quarterback already. So I think this makes it easy for me. I think I'm just going to take a different quarterback. But I'm going to go a little bit outside the box. You might not expect this one. I'm going to go with RG3. Oh, here. okay. Love it. I love it. So RG3, you know, his career got derailed. I And I blame Mike Shanahan for that, for playing him in the playoffs on a partially torn ACL already. So I think if he's on a different team, he maybe has a different path. He won rookie of the year his first year. He was an absolute monster. The guy was, you look at Lamar Jackson today, that's what RG3 was, right? That rookie year. So I think he could potentially be a great fit with the Browns. The Browns already have a pretty solid offensive line. They have Hall of Famer Joe Thomas. They have Alex Mack. So I think, you know, he could be, he could have been in this spot, the franchise quarterback that the Browns have been coveting for 20, what, 25 years. <laughs> Too long. Yeah. And, you know, I already gave them T.Y. in this redraft. So T.Y. is better than, any wide receiver he had in Washington, because I think they had just signed Garcon that year, who was still really good, but you know, he's not TY. So I think the, the sky was the limit there. If you put RG three's versatility, not, not the one year in Cleveland, he had in 16. We're ignoring that year, but I just think the better setting for him offensive line wise, because by the time he got to Cleveland in 16, all those guys left on the line and it was really just Joe Thomas. So yeah, I, this is an interesting pick. I thought you were going to go Kirk Cousins here, but I like it for just a change I, of scenery. I just like RG3 for the explosiveness, and I just yeah. like to think, you know, his career doesn't get derailed after one year. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, while I like, I do like this pick because I do. I'm a fan of the whole idea that maybe if he takes a quarterback and plays him somewhere else without an idiot coach that plays him on one knee, it could be different. And you obviously saw his explosiveness in his rookie year. Everyone, you know, the hype train was all around Andrew Luck, and he ended up winning rookie of the year um, over him. But at the same time, I think I would go Kirk Cousins here. Um, I guess it's kind of just a preference. But I don't think Kirk Cousins is all that bad of a quarterback, obviously. Had some issues in big games or still has issues in big games. But I think consistency-wise and playing, I think Kirk Cousins would be the pick here. But I can't argue with uh, RG3 at all. Maybe in this uh, fantasy draft here, the Browns take the route that the Redskins took and take RG3 and then Cousins. <laughs> Maybe. Well, well, do you know who the Browns coach was? Avery should know. During the okay. season. Who was the Browns coach? Pat Shermer. That's going to be my guess. That was my guess, too, Pat Shermer. Yeah, so that be... <laughs> yeah, so it would be interesting to see if having a different rookie quarterback would change your mind because we, we've seen him with younger quarterbacks in other places, and it's been uh, interesting, to say the least. Yeah. Okay. So that was uh, that was maybe the last like controversial yeah. pick, I guess, since that was the last quarterback. But who knows? Maybe no. Kirk Cousins goes at some point here. Uh, Avery, you are up with the Detroit Lions. Wow, they made the playoffs this year. Who knew? Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, they took Riley. Problem. Yeah, they took Riley Reef here to shore up the offensive line, and he ironically didn't start really his rookie year, which is a little strange, but whatever. Uh, and again, he kind of moved around, played some right and left tackle in his four years in Detroit. Uh, so who are you taking here? Yeah, this is actually the first time they made the playoffs since 1999, just three seasons after the 0-16 team. Thanks Ouch. to uh, Mr. Uh, Matt Stafford here. But you kind of saw, if you look back at what they were doing and how that playoff game went, they actually gave up 626 yards to receivers in New Orleans. So I would, while I would love to take guys in the secondary here, I'm not loving the board, so I'm going to maybe go with the next best thing and just take the best available guy on the defensive side and maybe get a little bit of pressure, but also cover a little bit. So I'm going to go with the very bland Levante David here. Yes. Um, you know, just the standard guy who's going to get you around 100 tackles a year. I think last year he had 123 combined. Um Nothing spectacular. I think he's a one-time pro bowler and a one-time all-pro, but, you know, unless you're in Tampa Bay, you don't really know how decent of a player he is. Other than that, he's just, you know, a name that you kind of see here and there. But I think he's a really good player. And I think I had him closer to my top 15, so I'll take him at 23. I yeah. like the pick. He's, he's another tackle machine here. And, you know, early on his, in his career is when you really know him. Uh, I would watch – if I had watched a Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, I would always see that guy on the defense, and they'd be talking about him. So he he was popular early on, a little bit forgotten about now, but still very very solid player and had a very good start to his career. Yeah, and the funniest thing is is that he was really left by himself on a lot of really bad Tampa defenses. I mean, brutally bad, and he was the only guy. But now you could see, like, last year the defense got really good, and 
he almost it's like he fades into the background because everybody else is doing their job when early on it was just him having to do everything but he's had 100 tackles every year of his career except one in 16 he had 87 oh poor guy uh so he's over a thousand career combined tackles which is in eight years which is crazy uh not a big sack guy. He had seven in 13 when he went all pro. But again, that's not his role. He's an off-ball linebacker, plays coverage very well, very smart and instinctual player. And the people in Tampa absolutely love him. Again, being in Florida now, I'm kind of in that zone where most people are Tampa fans here. So it's a name you hear of a lot. And yeah, he's local guy from Miami. But yeah, very popular guy and really good pick for the value because I had him 10th overall on my board. Okay, I am up with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I hinted this earlier when David DeCastro was picked a lot earlier than in this redraft than where he was in the real draft. Craig took him 13th, the Cardinals. So I'm up at 24 with the Steelers, and they still need uh, offensive line help, particularly interior, so that's why DeCastro made sense there. Uh, they could have used the tackle, uh, an interior defensive lineman, and a middle linebacker. So just looking at the board, man. Looking at the board, interior lineman-wise, you could go with a J.R. Sweezy, who, like I said, a seventh rounder who was converted by the Seahawks to play guard. And he's made some money from a couple of different teams in his career. Uh, there's no real like standout offensive tackle left that's really worth a mention for me. Maybe if you want to reach for Bobby Massey, who's been a okay right tackle in Arizona and Chicago, sure, but not worth my time. Defensive tackle, I could go Brockers. I could go Derek Wolf here, and I think they make a lot of sense. But I think I'm just going to go best available with what the needs say, and I am going to go with a middle linebacker in Demario Davis here. Uh, Craig, the Jets fan, knows him very well from his, I believe, two stints, right, with the Jets? Yeah, man. I was I was devastated when they let him go to the Saints. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh he set a career high in tackles the year he came back to the Jets in seventeen. He had hundred thirty five, including ninety seven solo, which led the league. Jeez. Uh again, another slow start guy. He didn't really have much of an impact outside of special teams his first year. Um, but he's had a hundred tackles five years of his career. He came very close the other two years, he didn't have it. And he's really become, this year in particular with New Orleans, was his career benchmark. He had 12 passes defended. His previous career high was five. Uh, four sacks, career high was five. So he's right there. Um, he's just really just a, become a really phenomenal player. Very undervalued early. And yeah, like Craig said, like a name you didn't know before, but now that he's in his prime, has really stood out. And I just think he would make any defense better and something the Steelers have needed for a while. Definitely. And at his position, you're looking for someone who's a leader. And when he was on the Jets, I just remember watching, he was the leader of that defense. And the guy was a stud. He went to Cleveland for that one year and he came back and he probably had his best year of his career that year. I think he had, he had 135 tackles just looking at it that year. And then of course the Jets just let him walk. (laughs) So this guy is a stud and he's someone that you want to, make your defense around so he's a great pick for the Steelers yeah so, I mean that's just standard that's about it I had him at 15 on my board um obviously like Craig said love to have him in the Jets, with the Jets but I think it's just really good value at 24 
Yeah, I am at 14 as well. So yeah, it was a, it's a good value pick for what we mm-hmm. had this late. Uh, Craig, you're up with your favorite team. Uh, the Patriots are back with their second first rounder. They traded up again. Like Belichick's known for trading down a lot, but he traded up twice in this draft. Uh, he had 31, obviously, for losing the Super Bowl. And then uh, they traded up with the Broncos to get 25. They originally took Dante Hightower with this pick, who is, of course, no longer available. Right. So who are you going to give to actually help the Patriots, Craig? I, I know you As don't. I, I, was about to say, I was about to say, I, I feel like he's just going to, like, maybe take Matt Khalil or uh, Blair, listen, Blair Walsh I, with this pick. Just li- listen, I helped the Cowboys earlier, so, like, he kind of has to help the Patriots. It's, it's just sad <laughs> true. You guys, you guys are going to be disappointed in me here because I, all I was thinking for this pick was outside the box. All I was thinking was guys who ended up not working out that maybe with the Patriots, they'd find a way to work out. Oh, no. So you're going to think I'm sabotaging this <laughs> just, just by this pick, but Uh-oh. I'm going to go with Trent Richardson here. Now, Trent, oh. Rich- Trent, Rich- Trent Richardson – is viewed right probably as maybe the biggest bust of this draft, right? He went third. Right, really bad player. Whatever it is, really bad, awful, not good, all that. Yeah. 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 I, I think that he could be the right fit with the Patriots. I think they could find a way. Um, you know, the Patriots, they have, they've always had that like ground and pound attack. And I think they would find a way to make Trent Richardson work on their team. Um, their running backs at the time, I believe, were Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, and Steven Ridley. So I think Richardson potentially could have been an upgrade for them. And I think I have the Patriots, you know, taking a risk here with Richardson. Obviously, playing Monday morning quarterback, saying it's taking a risk because at the time, everyone thought Richardson was a stud. Because I think, did, did he win a Heisman Trophy right before this? Or no? No, no I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of someone else. He didn't. You're thinking he of Mark was, Ingram. Right, right, right. Yeah. But he he was in the running, though. Yes. Um. So I I mean I, it's an outside the box pick, and like I said, you guys are gonna think I'm sabotaging the Patriots just because I just don't like that organization at all. But <laughs> this this is gonna be it, and I think the Patriots would find a way to make it work. Yes, I have a problem bigger running backs, I, I don't think I would ever draft one just knowing that after the four years of taking a big running back, they're probably done. Uh, they probably peaked already, and that was the case with Trent Richardson. He obviously took a lot earlier than anyone anticipated, but just using an example in this day and age, like uh, Derek Henry kind of scares me just because of how big and how he is. So I'm very hesitant to take a running back that's not of a CMC or um, Saquon Barkley receiver running back mixed variety here. Um, maybe, you know, you know, who knows? The Patriots? You can take me in the first round with New England and somehow turn me into a first team all pro offensive lineman, even though I weigh 170 pounds. It's anything can happen with the Patriots. So yes, I agree. But that whole bigger running back first round pick variety. Yeah, I mean, the biggest need left was corner, and at that point, you would have kind of reached for a Josh Norman or a Janoris Jenkins at that point. So, and the running backs, for anybody wondering, on their final roster, uh, I'm going to see if I can find their opening day roster at some point here, but their final roster was Brandon Bolden, Stephen Ridley, Shane Vereed, and Danny Woodhead. So, not great, 
but yeah, so Richardson, if he had panned out, would obviously be an upgrade over that. But wow, this page just seems kind of rough. Oof. Uh, but yeah, uh, the, Richardson would be interesting. I am kind of extreme. rough. They only they probably only won twelve games that year. <laughs> it's it's just so weird how they find these get these wins with this kind of squad. But yeah, I have like Avery said, I have a hard time, and I am actually. Not that against drafting a running back pretty high, but oof. I don't know if I would take Richardson here. And yeah, just him, I am not either, but I would I really like to see the elusiveness factor of a running back when I'm taking yes. this high. Because just guys that are just going up the middle and just colliding with tons of force right up the middle between the guards, that just scares me. Yeah. Okay. Uh Avery, you're up with number 26 with the Houston Texans who took uh, Whitney Merciless. So obviously he is also unavailable. So who do you got for them? So this is probably my favorite pick here. If you look back from one year ago, uh, this is where the Texans drafted J.J. Watt and then Brooke Schreed, I believe, in the second round. I think this was the year they used seven and eight or six and eight draft picks on the defensive side. And if you look at their team needs here, the one thing that they do not need is quarterback because they had Matt Schaub who was hurt. And by the end of the 2011, se- the 2011 season, TJ Yates won them a playoff game. And he was like, oh, he's the best backup in the league. <laughs> but playing Monday morning quarterback here, they need a freaking quarterback, and I'm going Kirk Cousins. Okay. So with pairing that with a new Wade Phillips 3-4 alignment that they added, they really bolstered the defense with the last cut. Going opposite here, offensive side of the ball, consistent play, maybe not in the big game, but Kirk Cousins. Yeah, and again, like, didn't have a major role his first three years, as we all know by now. So, obviously, every stat I have that weighs these players and ranks them is going to uh, send him down the ranking because he didn't really play that much his first three years. But... You could see it in 15 when RG3 was hurt and basically done that, you know, Cousins completed 70% of his passes right off the bat, led the league, which sent everybody into a tizzy. Like, oh, the Redskins drafted the wrong guy at two. No, they didn't. Uh, but no, he's become a really solid quarterback. Uh, now a two-time Pro Bowler, once with the Redskins in 16 and once with the Vikings in this past year. Uh, again, limited in some things you can do. Clearly scared of primetime games, but... In the scheme of things, that's somebody you developed for a year. I believe Matt Schaub had one year left on his contract at that point. Yeah. Uh, that's somebody you develop. He was a fourth-round pick originally, and you just kind of ride it out and see what happens. And I mean, if you get that kind of solid quarterback play, that's better than any quarterback that uh, Andre Johnson had to deal with for his whole career there. So, yeah, you take. I'd say it's worth the gamble, especially considering their other needs were really – another wide receiver, another lineman, and they are exactly. not really here at this point. Exactly. I think the funniest thing was just him, do not draft the quarterback, and then me Googling their QB room, and it's Matt Schaub and TJ Yates. So. <laughs> <laughs> were, you, were you originally thinking RG3 for that pick? Now, the only other player I actually considered for this pick was going off team needs, and it was Mohamed Sanu, and I've kind of thought about him over and over again whenever I see a wide receiver team need, but I'm just like, I don't think he truly is the guy there. Um, and like I said, I'm taking Kirk over RG3. Um, but at the same time, you know, RG3 could have succeeded here as well. Definitely. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, so now this gets really interesting for me at number 27. Uh, this is the Bengals' original second rounder. Uh, they had traded back originally with the Patriots when they traded up to get Chandler Jones. Uh, and they originally took Kevin Zeitler, who has become a solid guard now in the Giants. Uh, you may remember mm-hmm. him. Love him. Yeah, he's really good. He's not, again, not in that tier one that we said of like the Nelsons, the Brooks, the uh, Zach Martins, but solid guard. He doesn't miss games. He, he's consistent. He, he's a body. That's better than the Giants had for how many years? So, yeah. uh, man, the biggest needs right now for them are these are almost the needs every year for them, except for wide receiver. But edge rusher and corner, they never have a good edge rusher or corner. And looking at who's left on the board right now, edge rushers, ah, oof. I could reach a little bit for Olivier Vernon. Who was traded for Kevin Zietler. That is correct. (laughs) See how it all links back together. We we like to do that on this podcast. We link everything back together. Uh, Corner, I'd have to reach even more for a Josh Norman or a Janoris Jenkins, so that's not happening. So at that point, I'm surprised this guy's still on the board, but I guess maybe not because I have him 26th on my board. It's Mohamed Sanu. They had the right pick at the time in the third round out of Rutgers. Uh, again, and this pick is perfect, as I mentioned, because they already had A.J. Green and then a young Andy Dalton. So now Mohamed Sanu fits right in comfortably as your number two guy. He knows what he is. He's not going to fight for that number one spot. And it just gives the Bengals another weapon that clearly when we saw him on the Bengals, he was a really valuable add, and he helped them really stretch the field especially with that tandem of him, Marvin Jones, in the fifth round. The value they had was crazy. And A.J. Green, and then if Tyler Eifert ever stayed healthy, he would have been a much, much appreciated piece. But, no, I think this is the pick for them, given the way the board's sitting right now. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And he he was definitely a solid contributor in the Bengal, on the Bengals. We saw it worked out. So take him a little earlier, and it'll still work out. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I said, I probably contemplated taking Muhammad to new at maybe six of these picks prior, just because you know the wide receiver talent really isn't here in the draft. You obviously have Ty Hilton there, and you have what could have been in Alshon Jeffrey, but after that, it's just when do you really want to take a number two receiver? Um, and I think this is a good spot for him. You know, you dive deep into the later part of the first round, and if you can sign up for a really consistent number two receiver at this point, I think I do. Yeah, for sure. Especially considering the people that are left. It's a lot of, uh, as a lot of non-football people would say, kind of boring positions. So this is a guy kind of give you something that fantasy players would be excited about at least. Okay, this is our last full turn through our picks because this is my last pick coming up in a little bit here. But Craig, you are up at 28 with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, They originally took Nick Perry from USC. Eh. He had promise, and people kept hyping him up for no reason, but he wasn't good. Right. So who are you going to take at 28 for them? Well, I have the Packers' biggest needs for this draft as edge safety and offensive tackle. Um, honestly, just look looking at my board here, it's going to be a reach, no matter what, a little bit. Um, I'm just going to go for what I think is a lesser reach, and that's going to be Olivier Vernon Okay. here. I think that he could be a solid contributor in this Packers defense. 
Um, the Packers defensive line at the time, yeah, they had BJ Raji at the nose, but they had Ryan Pickett and Howard Green oh. at their defensive end positions. They had the linebackers. They had Clay Matthews, right, coming off the edge. But I think this guy, um, Vernon, I think he can complement Matthews, and I think he could have turned them into a dominant defense onto what was already a pretty good playoff team. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I don't like him because, you know, he was obviously – Paid a lot of money on the Giants after we traded for him, after we got him for, uh, from, uh, after Miami. But, you know, he was just one of those guys that was always in the mix of the play, just can never really finish the play. He was always getting the QB pressures, just never really getting the sacks. Um, so was he bad? No. But was he worth it on our end? No. But at the same time, I think it's worth taking that pick here from the kind of talent that he is. But I would sign up for Kevin Seidler any day over him after that trade. He's kind of um, like uh, Leonard Williams now, right? You know, everyone yeah. everyone says he's good, but he doesn't put the stats. I don't. Just stop. Just stop. Don't but yeah, like th- this is a good fit for the Packers roster. Uh, they still had a young Mike Daniels before he really took off, and they still had Jarrell Worthy when they thought he was good. He, spoiler alert: he wasn't. Um, and then the other offensive or offensive outside linebacker group is Eric Walden and Frank Zombo. Eh, they're really like fourth, fifth guys that you use on special teams. So I think that fills their biggest need. That's still a big need for them until this past year when they signed the Smith brothers. But yeah, I love the pick, Craig, especially for the boards at. Okay. Avery, you are up with the Minnesota Vikings. They had originally traded up to in the draft to get Harrison Smith, obviously unavailable. So who do you have the Vikings take in with their other first rounder? We already had them <laughs> getting uh, Bobby Wagner early. Yeah, so actually, Craig, this is where I would want to take um, RG3 if I had a chance. Mm. You know, Christian Potter, they still did believe in him. But he really did struggle in the later half of the year last year. Obviously, I think this was the year where AP tore the ACL. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's why they finished three and thirteen. Um, I had their team need really, really weak in the secondary, which is obviously why they picked up Harrison Smith here. But looking at the draft board, I'm not really seeing much that I would push for. Maybe you know, I'm not taking Janoris Jenkins for earlier. I will not draft him, no matter what position you know, the team is. <laughs> I don't like that guy. So I'm gonna go with the other side of the board here and help what is going to be a returning Adrian Peterson and who was traded for Olivier Vernon, Kevin Zeitler. Just a really, really good guard. A very boring guard. I have their need as tackle, but anything to help the offensive line and AP here, I think would really help. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go here. I think he can be a really good fit here. Yeah, I think this pick makes a lot of sense. Um, if you look at the board, I guess their other big need was defensive tackle, but they're kind of – there are a bunch of different guys here that can do different things, right? You have Michael Brockers, who's more of a nose, who can defend the run. Then you have Derek Wolf from the Broncos, who's more of a pass-rushing tackle, who kind of plays in like a 3-4 end kind of role there. And then it's after that, it's Malik Jackson, another run stuffer. Akeem Hicks, another pass-rushing tackle. So it's kind of all over the place. So, yeah, I just think if you want a safe bet, and Minnesota's never figured out their offensive line, even with all the good running backs they've had, um, I think this is a solid pick as it gets here. Kevin Zyla just sounds like a name that belongs in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the big hog mollies, you know. Yeah. Purple people. 
<laughs> yeah, and again, like we've already said, very really solid guy. Uh, he's been on the Bengals, the Browns paid him, and then obviously dumped him to the Giants. Uh, I was trying to see. Oh, oh, well, he was born in Wisconsin and went to Wisconsin for college. So oh, well, look at that. There we go. That would be an interesting fit in Minnesota. Okay. <laughs> nice segue into my last pick of this uh, redraft. I have the San Francisco 49ers, and they would love to take this pick back. They had A.J. Jenkins at number 30. Ouch. Uh, another wideout bust. So, yeah, wideout's their biggest need at the moment. They could use another guard. They could still use another guard right now. Uh, they needed a corner, and they needed some kind of edge protection opposite Justin Smith. Um, at the time, this was right before Alden Smith broke out in a big way, uh, before he got arrested. So, man, if you look at the board right now, it's a little uh, slim pickings here. But wide out wise, you could go with the Marvin Jones, which isn't a terrible reach for where he's at. Um, guard, I don't believe, did I? Yeah, so I didn't take J.R. Sweezy. He's still on the board somehow. Um, maybe understandably corner again, it's the Norman Jenkins crew and then edge guys. It there's nobody it's slim pickings after that. So we're going to take out edge. So man, <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I'm doing it. Marvin Jones. Welcome to San Francisco. I just think that just makes the most sense at the time. They needed weapons for, I believe that was Kaepernick or was that pre Kaepernick? I don't remember now, but Marvin Jones, again, he was really the third fiddle in Cincinnati for a while, but then he broke out his last season and he really became a threat with the lions being their new number one at some point guy. Sometimes they're one B guy. Sometimes they're number two guy the last couple of years. Uh, I just think he's a really good player. If you gave him the chance and nobody really gave him a chance until the last year in Cincinnati out of necessity. So it's a weapon they needed. And I just think for a good roster that San Francisco already had, it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, look at their wide receivers. Yeah. Oh, wait, what? They had Randy Moss. <laughs> really? That can't be right. That can't be right. 2012. Okay. Uh, their, their wide receivers were. Okay. They did. All right. I didn't know that. Uh, so they had Michael Crabtree. They had a young Ted Ginn, Chad Hall, who I remember from the Eagles, not great. Uh, and Randy Moss. So, Yes, I will give them Marvin Jones, looking at this roster now. Yeah, I'm actually kind of upset that you took that year because I was really hoping he was going to fall down to the wide receiver factory of the New York Giants. But Oh, there it is. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's not going to be the case here, but I really like this pick. I think he's a really good number two, and like you said at this point, you're kind of drafting for solid number two at this point. For wide receivers, you're not going to get the number one in T.Y. Hilton, but I'll take him any day here. All right, uh, so I, we're down to the, our last two picks here, and I am done, thank goodness. Uh, Craig, you're up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers again. They traded up to get this pick and draft Doug Martin from uh, Steven Santos' own Boise State. Eh, he was okay. Uh, so who do you have them taking a 31? Well, I'm going to follow the same path that they took here. Um, I already took the corner. I thought that was their biggest need, so... I'm going to go with the running back and I'm going to go with Lamar Miller. Now Lamar Miller, you know, not the flashy running back you want, but I think he had a 
pretty solid career, you know, starting out in Miami. Um, he, I thought he was very solid in Houston. I think he made a Pro Bowl, I believe, mm-hmm. 2018. That's he his did. most recent played season. Last, I think last year he was hurt. Yep. Right? So I, I think Lamar Miller is the solid choice here. Um, you know, I'd give him an edge to Doug Martin. Doug Martin had, you know, a couple solid years, but I think Lamar Miller just – over the span of his whole career has been better than Doug Martin has been. So I'll take the slight upgrade there and roll with him. Yeah, I had, um, I had Doug Martin just slightly above him just because of his high ceiling. But if you're going with a consistent guy here who, you, you know, at this point in the draft, you're just looking for guys who play Lamar Miller's the pick here if you're looking at running back. Yeah, I think the main pick that maybe would have made a little more sense for them would have been taking like a Danny Trevathan at linebacker since they Mm -hmm. don't have Levante David now. But yeah, uh, Lamar Miller is the best running back I have on the board at the moment. I have him as a mid-second rounder. Um, Then I actually have Alfred Morris ahead of uh, Doug Martin. It's pretty interesting. Alfred Morris had like three or four like really underrated years, then nothing after that. But still, if you can get four years out of a draft pick, you take it. But no, I like the pick. It made a lot of sense for their offense, and that's why they traded up for him. He was the, like the last piece they thought. So, yeah, yeah. I de- definitely thought about the linebacker for a little while, like Trevathan, Nigel Bradham. But ultimately, I wanted to go for someone who's going to make the offense better. Yeah. All right. The moment we've all been waiting for. Full Avery ego is out in force now, with the last pick in their redraft. It is the New York Giants. And they originally took David Wilson, who lasted two or three years. Oh, there, oh, there it is. I, I'm not redoing that intro. Uh, they, they originally took David Wilson here, who I believe only lasted two or three years before the neck injury made him retire prematurely. So, Avery, I, as much as you would love to take David Wilson, I'm sure you won't take him here. So, who do you yeah, have? I really, him? Would, I really would love to take David Wilson here. No playing this out. Monday morning quarterback here. I took my list. I filtered by offensive tackle, <laughs> and I try to find the best one that I could find. And I just don't like them. I no. don't like who is there. No one worth it. Everyone I see is just injury riddled, playing thirteen games a year, twelve games a year. Um, you know, I don't even know how to say his name. So, Craig, I might need your help here because I know the jet, but Kalichi. Kalichi. Uh, Oh, oh family, yeah. Don't, don't even remind me of that guy. Yeah, he, was. <laughs> he was great before he went to the Jets. <laughs> and then he jetted yeah, his way out even, of the team. <laughs> even then, he's playing 11 games in Oakland. Then he played a stretch of 16, 15, 14, 14. But just playing those, you know, not never a full state of season. I did really like Cordy Glenn a little bit here, but I'm not taking him here as well. So I'm going to go in a little bit outside the box. Think he's the best available at this position here, but I'm going with Derek Wolf. I really enjoyed the NASCAR package that the Giants had, where instead of big guys in the middle, it was speed rushers throughout the entire way. And I think he's the defensive tackle that's more of a pass rusher who can get to the quarterback. But if they continued that, which I think they did really, the NASCAR package kind of died out after the Super Bowl victory. And that kind of says a little bit to me. Our defensive line just really hasn't gotten the pressure. So I think Derek Wolf might be the play here. So, yeah, I'm going to lock in Derek Wolf as a little bit of a pass-rushing defensive tackle. 
Yeah, he's had a, a really solid career for Denver. Uh, he just left for the Baltimore Ravens on a one-year deal to play that same role because they really don't have a D-line anymore outside of Brandon Williams all of a sudden. But uh, yeah, really underrated guy. Uh, he kind of slowed down a little bit the last couple of years, but he's older, so it's mm-hmm. amenable to that. But no, I, I think he made a huge difference dur- during that Peyton Manning run, and he right. was really underappreciated. Um, you know, I'm sure the better player was probably Brockers here, but I could definitely understand why he took Wolf. Uh, Brockers. Yeah, I also, I also had Brockers ahead. Yeah, like Wolf, I have at 21. Brockers, I had at 18. Uh, it just depends what your preference is. Brock, like I said earlier, Brockers is a true run stuffer, boring. Like the fans won't love him as much. Wolf yep. is a pure pass rusher inside. That probably fits better with what you guys needed at the time. And right. it's a pure value pick. I like it. I remember that Broncos Super Bowl run that last year of Peyton Manning. Wolf, he was a mainstay in that defense. You know, Von Miller was number one. Wolf might have been number two. You know, yeah. he was always he was always in there. Yeah, Derek Wolf, uh, really really solid player. Uh, actually, set a career high in sacks last season. See, prove me wrong. Yeah, <laughs> seven sacks. Uh, yeah, sign me that up for two years over David Wilson any day. But um, I would, as much as I would have loved to take that guy, man, I love seeing those back looks in the end zone. Those neck injuries aren't nothing to be played with. So Derek Wilson is a good pick here for us. We'll get right back to Avery, Craig, and our 2012 NFL redraft. But first, the Corey Andrews podcast is always brought to you by my Twitch. Quick schedule update. I am now doing two separate streams on weekdays and even three on Saturdays just for you. On weekdays in the 3 to 6 p.m. time frame, catch me playing the new DLC for Pokemon Sword, the Isle of Armor, for the first time. In the 6 to 10 p.m. time frame, I'll jump on my PlayStation 4 and play either competitive Overwatch with Brad and my usual squad, or Warzone with Craig and the others. Friday nights, don't forget our weekly six-hour Overwatch marathon starting around 6 p.m. As sports come back, I will also be doing live commentary and analysis for sports events and news. We set new records for followers and live viewers last week. Thank you. So I look forward to seeing you watch me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Corkacola1. That's twitch.tv slash C-O-R-K-A-C-O-L-A-1. And I look forward to seeing you on my next stream. Uh, Any names in particular, Avery, I'll start with you, that were on your board that probably should have been drafted in a redraft, like based on in your top 32, but were. Yeah. So you can start off with Michael Brockers, um, who I had as the best defensive tackle available. Just as you said, I kind of went with Wolf over um, on top of him. You got Josh Norman, who I did have up there, who is at one point, one of the best corners in the league kind of tailed off. Obviously I'm not a fan of him. When I was a fan of OBJ, that kind of didn't get along. (laughs) I won't even say his name, but I did have, I will say his name. I had Janoris Jenkins on my board as a, Maybe I was going to take him. And then it was the guys that I said before, Kalichi, uh, Cordy Glenn, those kind of guys. I also had Alfred Morris a little bit higher as well. Um, but those were guys, and another right tackle was Massey. But just all those offensive linemen are guys that I didn't see playing the consistent games enough to take them. And although they were still, they just didn't play the 15, 16 games that I would like to see that would make them worth the first jump. Yeah, you mentioned two of the guys that I have on my board, Norman and Jenkins. But one other guy I had on my board that I guess I'm not really surprised didn't go because there weren't a lot of quarterback needy teams, but Nick Foles. You know, everyone forgot about him. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, he's, He's viewed, he's viewed obviously as a system quarterback because, you know, he's only really had success with the Eagles. But, you know, if there was a quarterback needy team in here, I definitely could have seen him going in the top 32. Yeah, I had him as uh, number 65 on my boards. That's the best pick of the third round. Still a little higher than what he ended up going. But I'm pretty sure he is my best quarterback available. I'm just scrolling down my list at the moment. Yeah, he's my best quarterback available. Um, some other names that we didn't mention that I had, uh, J.R. Sweezy again, I know not the, uh, sexiest name, but converted guard. He's won games. He's played actually really well for being a converted guard. Uh, another name you might not know, Ben Jones. He was a starting center for the, uh, Texans then went to the Titans and he's still there now. He just got paid again. Good for him. Uh, Danny Trevathan, we met we mentioned earlier, uh, Really good find by the Broncos in the uh, early sixth round. Um, and now he's been a beast on the Bears. That was a great pick by them. Uh, Malik Jackson, another run-stuffing. We, we just hated run-stuffing defensive tackles. I think that's what it came down to. Uh, and then uh, Nigel Bradham and Akeem Hicks were the last two in my top 32. And then Massey, Massey and uh, Norman and Jenkins were all right there, just outside. But, yeah, a lot of big names. And I think, Craig, you mentioned this earlier. This was an absolutely – stacked draft considering some of the future ones weren't didn't have this kind of depth early in the second round even right definitely and that's what's the most comparable draft to this would you say of recent memory of recent memory none of the last like five years like five six years honestly yeah but no team also killed the draft like the seahawks killed this one so i mean russell wilson i think the only player that even came close uh, in terms of like productivity, like per season, was the only player that ranked higher in that 2012 to 17 mind frame or time frame was uh, Michael Thomas. He was the only one that graded higher. Everybody else was nowhere close. So right. I, again, the the top three was just amazing in this draft. Yeah, yeah. and actually, one more guy on my board that I did want to bring up. Um, I don't think we took a tight end, but I really liked Kobe Fleener, and he's still making a little bit of noise. Um, you know, in the past couple of years too. So if there was any tight end heavy teams, I think he was, yeah, he was my number one tight end. Um, I think that could have been a good pick here. I don't, you know, I'm not taking a reach on a tight end in the first round, but I think that's a name that could be thought about in the early stages. Tight end. Yeah. Uh, he was, I had him as the last pick in the second round. So he was one pick above Foles, but it was just the big thing of he didn't really play enough and he was out of the league by 17. And a lot of people thought of him as just, Oh, he played with Andrew Luck. So he kind of, he kind of got like the silver spoon with getting drafted with luck. And then he went to Drew Brees in Atlanta or Atlanta. Wow. New Orleans. Uh, (laughs) But another guy that flagged really high for some reason, Greg Zerline came up as a second round pick, I guess because he's played long enough, but I don't know why. Um, Yeah. Other than that, I, can't really see another position where there was a guy like who was the best ranked that low like Kobe Fleener was yeah that's what I was, like even up to his like his end of his uh stint wherever did, was did he end up in his last stop was the New Orleans place? yeah he got yeah he got even up until then right even like even though he wasn't the best guy and definitely not worth the money I think he was still making the plays or still making the little bit of noise that could have helped maybe a, a mid-second round pick tight end needy team yeah, and you could even argue that's another alternate universe guy where he doesn't get all those concussions again. Yeah, so that's really exactly. Him. So, exactly. 
considering some of these alternate picks we made, so that one doesn't seem too out there. <laughs> yeah. A couple but, of other guys that I could think of just off the top of my head that maybe they're not first round picks, maybe they're early seconds, but one guy was Josh Gordon, right? Yeah. Um, he was from this year. Vontez Perfect from this year. And so, yep. another one's Damon Harrison. If you think of the first two guys, you know, maybe things play out differently if they're on a different team. Damon Harrison, is he a first round pick? I don't know because he was dominant for a short amount of time, but just another guy that came to mind. Yeah, I didn't even put undrafted guys in here, but that's a good point. Um, right. Yeah, you never know if these are like I have to go back in it in and add uh, like Eckler to the 16 or 17 draft and just see where he would rank because I'm sure it's obscene. But... Right, right. All right. Well, uh, guys, thank you. This has been fun. This went way longer than I ever thought it would go. But uh, Avery, Craig, thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you on the next time. Yep, yep. of course. Looking forward to it. And, and the wise words. Thanks to all of you for listening. Be sure to follow the Corey Andrews podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify, and rate and review. Not sure yet what I'm doing next week for the holiday weekend, so stay tuned on Twitter for updates and what you'll find next time on the Corey Andrews podcast.